You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome to the very first episode of the Thunderquack podcast, Enough Said, for our WandaVision recap. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, alongside the astonishing Amanda Conkin and spectacular Curtis Finley. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Good to be here. This is our brand new, this is our brand new MCU podcast. Very I, exciting. Yeah, I... I uh, let's pull back the curtain. We just recorded 20 minutes and it did not, it didn't, it didn't record everybody. Oh, but in true uh, but, Thunderquack fashion, I feel like if yeah. the first episode of a new podcast doesn't at least have one false restart, is it really a Thunderquack podcast? So yeah, I feel like yeah, from, from I, days. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I would, I want, I would love to say that it's been a while since we've lost an episode, but it actually hasn't been that long because we've been testing out new tech over the <laughs> last year, uh, uh, during the pandemic and whatnot, trying to figure out the the remote recording situation. But I, uh, but, but we've got it figured out now. I think. I hope everybody cross your fingers. Yeah. I, I know it looks like it's good. It looks like it looks like we're going strong this time. But I, uh, but this is a, this is our brand new. Uh, MCU podcast. Um, we talked about it a little bit on the Thunderquack podcast uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks about um, you know uh, uh, covering the MCU stuff and uh, what we were going to do. And 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 back at at the beginning of the year, I I had to I had to make the decision. <laughs> it kind of one division snuck up on me. Like to be perfectly honest, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but like all of a sudden <laughs> it was like, hey this show is starting and I was like, cool, cool, cool. I'm pretty sure we promised something about a Marvel podcast uh, a long time ago, back before everything got shifted by six months to a year. So I did kind of like go, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to do a weekly podcast for WandaVision recapping every episode? Um, Or are we going to figure out something else? And, and uh, definitely when, when when the stuff was all first announced it was like oh yeah there will be space between these things we'll do the marvel one and then we'll do some faster more intense to cover the mandalorian and then this this marvel show this star wars show whatever it's fine uh and then we'll have the thunder quack running all throughout that um and then when they did the investor call back in december they were like there's going to be marvel content every single week from the time that wandavision starts until the end of yeah 2021 and i was Amazing. like i i don't want to do that <laughs> i i am not i am not no one going has time for that. that yeah um especially along with i mean like like we've got bad batch which is a star wars uh animated show coming uh starting on may the 4th i i 
And so it's like, you know, at, at that point when there's Star Wars stuff running, that would mean that I'm doing three shows a week. And well, yeah, uh, I've, I've done my own before. podcast too. <laughs> I've done that before and it's not fun. Uh, and when I was yeah, doing that before, I did work. not have two kids. So, uh, so that's not what's going to happen. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to treat each of these uh, limited run series or seasons as um, basically equal to a a movie release, an MCU movie release. So we'll do an episode uh, recapping all of WandaVision, an episode recapping all of Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, an an episode uh, to... To, I mean, if if Black Widow comes out this year, um, <laughs> an episode for Black Widow, yeah, I, and so on and so forth. I, as we talked about in our first recording, I we'll have to figure it out when we get a little bit closer to what if because that is a slightly different format um, where each each one of those episodes is is going to sort of be its own thing. We know a little bit more about that show, like run times of episodes and stuff like that. We'll we'll make a call closer to then of like, are we going to do one episode per or maybe do a couple or, or sort of check in halfway through and then do another one through, through the second half. But, uh, but, but that's a problem that we'll worry about <laughs> when we get to it. Yeah. Um, for now, we're going to talk about WandaVision. Um, and to, to kick that off, I'm just going to jump in here and, and give some details uh, of the show. Uh, so WandaVision is a nine episode limited series on Disney plus uh, limited series, meaning that it is one season and then it is done. There is, there's not a second season of this. It is, it, it's, it's not an ongoing show. Um, <laughs> people who are, who, who uh, uh, actually read comic books, not just MCU fans. I, I, I'm not, that's not me gatekeeping. I'm just saying people who, who have actually read comics, uh, are going to be familiar with the concept of a one-off series uh, or, or a one-shot comic uh, as well, which is a one-shot is just one issue, um, which to me is kind of what the movies are now. Um, and then these are uh, a series like WandaVision that's limited, a limited series is, is more like the, the, um, the, the limited run, like six issue miniseries. Uh, and then something like Loki, which which we've already been told, I think, is at least two seasons, um, is more like your ongoing series. So I so they're they're following the comic book format with this stuff, which I like. Um, but this 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 series is very different from from traditional television. And, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, let me just run through through some some of the stats here, uh, the, the the cast and crew. Uh, so the the show is created by Jack Schaefer, uh, and it is directed by Matt Shackman. And and one thing to note here is that every episode, all nine episodes, are directed by Matt Shackman. It's very different from traditional television, where uh, you usually have uh, someone in in the executive producer role who is sort of the more like a film director. They oversee the whole thing. They they make sure that everything's kind of on track, and and uh, 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 they maintain sort of that continuity throughout it. Um, and then you have individual directors who come in and do each episode, but, but with, uh, with this series very similar to what's going to be happening with, um, with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with, with the star Wars stuff, we have one director who's, who's directed every episode. Um, similar to that, the, the writing cast is also, uh, sorry, the writing crew writer's room is, 
is also uh, consistent throughout all of the episodes with, with a couple of exceptions. So uh, here are the writers, uh, Peter Cameron, Mackenzie Dore, Laura Donny, Bobak S. Farjani, apologies if I, if I butchered that name, uh, Megan McDonald, uh, Jack Schaefer, the creator uh, of the series, who also was one of the writers, uh, Cameron Squires, and then Gretchen Enders, Chuck Hayward, and Megan Donald, who are only credited for one episode each. Um, and I noticed they're, they're credited as story editors as well. So it's a slightly different role from staff writer or, or just a standard writer. Um, and then we've got music by Christoph Beck, Alex Kovacs, uh, and Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. And then the series is starring Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Paul Bettany as Vision, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, uh, Tiana Paris as <clears throat> Monica Rambeau, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, Randall Park as Jimmy Wu, Josh Stamberg as director Tyler Hayward, and Evan Peters as Quicksilver slash Pietro Maximoff. Uh, so that that's our that's sort of our our whole thing. But I. We, we had talked in our first recording a lot about uh, about how this series is very different from traditional television and, and sort of the, the standard model um, in the way that that I, I it's it's treated as one story as as one continuous thing. And obviously that consistency throughout <clears throat> is a very big difference from from the way that that traditional network broadcast television is done where it's much more each episode is kind of taken as its own sort of uh, uh, self-contained story, even in the more serialized shows. uh, uh, And, and then on top of that, I mean, like they, they don't have to follow the, the standard formats of 44 minutes exactly. And, and act breaks for commercials and all of that stuff. So it's a, it's it's a very different, uh, way of doing things and and Amanda you and I have talked about this on the Thunderquack podcast a couple of times that this is kind of a new breed of uh of format right it's not a movie it's not a tv series it's kind of this new thing that that streaming has created um yeah but but not only that in term that that audiences are able to demand and that the the market needs to shift to adjust like it's a little bit yeah. revolutionary like we've talked we've touched on this on on the thunderquack before how i've sort of lamented the broadcast television model and being like this is dying what do we replace it with and then also the m- movie model that that is not sustainable in like the in the way that we look to film creation specifically in canada but how do you when you can access things from everywhere, when content can come directly to consumers, how do you get rid of gatekeepers while still creating something that is sustainable and and profitable? Because that's what all of these companies are looking for. And I think that this bridge in these finding these limited series that sort of like are tent poles of franchises like, you know, Peacock or Disney or whatever it is, like all of these streaming services that they can find a way to tell a story that people actually really connect with, but also that they want, like they want something a little bit different. And I just think that that I'm hoping heralds a new age of, of like, you know, what television could be, because I don't know, I prefer it. I don't know about you guys, but in terms of like storytelling models, I love what we're able to do here. I always have been drawn to long form storytelling. So if you can do that in a, in, and not have to have me sit through 22 episodes of 
filler to get to the eight <laughs> core episodes that I actually want to see <laughs> yeah. and more than the two hour movie that yeah. doesn't give me enough yeah. content or to get to know these characters. Like I'm all here. I'm here for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think about Dr. Strange a lot. Uh, when I, when I think about this is like, I, I think if, if they were making Dr. Strange now, as opposed to a few years back, um, it would not have been a movie. It would have been one of these series because the biggest complaint that most people have for Dr. Strange is that like, you, it just moves at a clip. Like all of a sudden he's Dr. Strange. And like, there was, there's no journey there. Like he's like, they, they skip over a lot of story in order to get you to the part where he can actually use his magic powers to fight the bad guys. Um, and, and with this, it's like, we actually got that time with Wanda of her, like experiencing this stuff and going through a process, right. Which would be really great in a series like that. So, uh, or a story like that. Right. So I, I think, well, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more of this. And I think that exactly to your point, Amanda, like the whole purpose of a series like this and this format is to keep you on the streaming platform, right? Like that's, that that's how these companies are making money now. <clears throat> And as much as they're making money off of subscriptions, that's a big part of it. There is a, this is like a, as we all know, the stock market is fake. Uh, it's all made up and it <laughs> plays by these weird rules where like people on Reddit can be like, Hey, go buy GameStop. And then all of a sudden GameStop is worth $300 a share when it's actually a company that's, that's on the brink of bankruptcy. So I, I, none of it is real and Disney's stock is no different. And these shows, they are just, they are stock boosters. Like that's what it is, is like that, that, that cachet, that, that, um, that sort of like chunk of the cultural zeitgeist translates into direct dollars for Disney investors. Uh, and, and so that's why we're going to see a lot more of this. And I think probably less movies. Well, it's forward. a good thing. They, uh, the show is good because we're buying into it and feeding their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we can we can compare and contrast these formats in a few ways, right? Because you can look at just within Disney Plus, you can look at Star Wars versus uh, versus the the way that Marvel Studios is doing things. I think Marvel Studios is off to a really great start. I think Star Wars Lucasfilm had a good start with the first season of Mandalorian, although it was a little. I would say it was a little rockier than this than this initial outing with WandaVision, and certainly season two is a little bit more divisive on Mandalorian and and I think the way that they've now set up a million and one spin-offs from that show is sort of making me question the integrity of that. <laughs> so you can kind of see where it's like, you know, this stuff could be good and hopefully it is. I as a Star Wars fan, I really hope that it will be. But you also worry that they're going to get into, you know, DCEU territory <laughs> where they're just going to start throwing as much spaghetti at the wall as they can and hoping that something sticks. Oh, they I, first, they tried that with the movies already, yeah, Rogue yeah. One and and Solo and stuff, and yeah, for sure. But yeah, this, we, you're we've right. Already though, kind of seen that. This is the future of entertainment for Disney. I think, like, yeah. I I see them um, putting way less of a focus on their big budget feature films, although they still will do those because that you kind of have to. But I'm if all of their content is going to be as stellar as WandaVision and, and I think Mandalorian, then uh, there's no need to make movies anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the movies uh, will, will grow to hold a place 
uh, more like what Infinity War and Endgame were. Um, and and things like Ant-Man and the Wasp will become limited run series like WandaVision is. Um, and, and those stories will will get to to play out in this format. I mean, we've got Falcon and Winter Soldier coming up. And I when I look at that, even even more than than this show, which we'll, we'll talk about sort of the narrative construct of WandaVision in a second. But Falcon and Winter Soldier looks like it is just straight up a six hour movie, right? Like, like it's just been broken yep. into chapters. Um, and, and for me, it's like, that's like, that's perfect. Like, like it, if there's one thing that I've always said about like the worst part of, of, of an MCU movie is the end. It's <laughs> like when we leave the, like the like credits roll and we get our post credit scenes and all that stuff. And then, you know, the lights come back on in the theater and we all stand up yeah, we get that great moment of now we get to talk about it for the next three months until the next Marvel movie comes out. But also it's like, it's done now, <laughs> right? It's like, there's all that buildup and then there's a release and then there's nothing, right? It's followed by like this void. Um, and and the cool thing about about the way that this is working now is that like <laughs> this this is when you really put it in these words, it actually sounds kind of scary, but <laughs> now there is no void. There is no break. Exactly what I was talking about before. Like we roll from this, we get this, this week we get um, like the behind the scenes WandaVision thing. So we get like a little documentary about the making of the show, which is awesome. Um, and then next week we roll right into Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then when that's done, we roll basically right into Loki. And then what if, and then Hawkeye and then Miss Marvel. And like, we're straight through to the end of the year. That's a lot of content. That's a lot of stuff for us to talk about. What a That's great a lot time of to things be a from fan. week to week. Yeah. And then yeah. on top of that, yeah, on top of that, as I said, we've got, we also have uh, Star Wars Bad Batch coming. We've got uh, the Book of Boba Fett coming in December for for Star Wars. Um like and and then i mean th- this month we've also got the mighty duck series coming on disney plus like this is just one platform right like like there's so much from week to week it's that's not even counting like <clears throat> you know we've got shows on network television like superman and lois that we actually want to watch although that's it amanda we're going to talk about that <laughs> on the next thunderquack because I don't know if you've heard, but they're breaking into that. Like basically we get a few episodes of that and then they're stopping (laughs) to do a few episodes of Supergirl and then coming back and finishing the rest of Superman and Lois and then finishing Supergirl. (laughs) That's probably smart. Just like don't overload your viewers making, making them watch five shows all at the same time. It's it's because of the, they, I, I Superman and Lois had to stop because of COVID. Oh, okay. at a certain point and so they like they're not they they don't have as many episodes in the pipeline as i think they would like to well i, I uh, loved it last season this is kind of going off topic but i loved it last yeah. season when arrow ended and yeah. then legend started yes i thought like this is great i don't have to watch both these shows at the same time well hey <laughs> uh you can you can roll back the tape on quiver the green arrow yeah. podcast and you can go back about four or five years to me saying to amanda this is exactly what they should do what marvel is doing (laughs) with their format is exactly what i said the cw needed to do yep back in season five of arrow like season four or five of arrow i was like they gotta stop with these 22 episode seasons of like 
15 episodes of garbage and a few episodes that are worthwhile um and just just tell a concise story and just do arrow and then do legends and then do flash and then the characters can be on whatever story they need to be on and we don't have to worry about like how are we going to schedule supergirl to show up on the flash it's like no if supergirl needs to be on the flash this season she is Right. Like, and and just do it that way. The Netflix Um, shows, the Netflix Marvel ones were kind of like that too. It's like, they just did a 13 episodes of daredevil and then waited for a bit for people to watch that. And then did another 13 episodes of, of alias or, or uh, what was it called? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um, And that that worked great. And so this is just kind of the natural, I I love the evolution that this, the streaming services have, have taken and, like we watched um, the Queen's Gambit recently, and that one I felt watching it still kind of followed the the way that network television kind of wrote stories, mm. um, but we could watch it all at once. And yeah. Disney, on the other hand, it still is showing once a week like you would on net- network television, but the way that they're telling the stories is so unconventional, um, yeah. and I love that uh, that we people are experimenting the, the different platforms are testing things out and seeing what sticks. And it's kind of exciting to watch it all evolve and unfold. Yeah. I love yeah, that I this spe- season we have 30 minute episodes because that's all we need is a 30 <laughs> minute episode. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be a 44, 48 minute episode. No, it doesn't. It doesn't need filler. It doesn't need uh, repeating the last 30 seconds of what happened right before the commercial break. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it doesn't need that stuff for sure. Let's uh, let's let's jump into the actual <laughs> WandaVision of it sure. um, yeah. and, and give our thoughts on 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 this season of television that we just watched. Uh, Amanda, how, how did you feel about WandaVision? I mean, really great. I, I do love after so many years of podcasting about stuff that you had to, I really love finding my groove of like what I actually like watching and being able to watch it. And this was one yeah. of the things I don't think I was like you, Mike, I know that you would like stay up and like watch it like right at midnight. I always, I did watch it every Friday, but it was like a leisurely like thing that I would watch on Fridays. And there was one episode that I did. I caught, I scrolled in the morning on my Facebook and someone's like, watch WandaVision immediately or it'll be spoiled for you. And I actually mm-hmm. did. I wound up watching it like early in that morning. Cause I'd gotten up early before work and it was, so it was good. I had, I had like my, which episode was it for me? Uh, it was somebody big was revealed. I feel like it was the Pedro episode where, like, where they revealed Pedro or where they revealed Darcy. It was yeah. one of those two Pietro? where it was like, it was either, it was either, <laughs> What did vote I for say? Pedro. Yeah. Pedro. Pedro. Oh yeah, Pedro. Whatever. You said Pedro. <laughs> Pedro. Yes. Uh, I anyways. mean, like, look, Pedro, Pietro, Peter are all the same name, just in different yeah. languages. But correct. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I just don't want people being like, "Was the Mandalorian in WandaVision?" <laughs> Continue. Yeah, we crossed over way too hard. Um, but exactly sort of what you're talking about this evolution of television and especially for me like I'm trying I'm talking to a lot of people but like what I really like and what do I enjoy watching and just these superhero films and action films and science fiction that really like jives with me and I love that it it hits like such a broad audience a lot of times like there's a lot of different people that and I was talking to someone recently where they were like well don't you want to tell stories like about something and I was like no no you don't understand like this show that I'm watching right now is like so powerful it's about grief and it's about loss and it's about 
villains and how you like how the an absence of love can can manifest in these sort of terrible ways but how you can also humanize people i don't know it was just really i just love that that's what these types of shows can do for us while also allowing us to have a great time there's comedy there's fun i i i enjoy myself but it also tells me something and so that is i mean if you can give that to me and and get me coming back regularly and with characters that I get to see grow and change, that's that's all I can ask of my content. And I think WandaVision definitely delivered that for me. So I was I was very pleased with that. And also just just very powerful. Awesome. Like, uh, Kurt- yeah. Uh, Curtis, what about you? How, how did you like it? Um, I, I loved it from start to finish. Um, we watched it as a family at dinner time on Friday night. Uh, so all my kids and us, we just, it, it's Cute. now, especially since they're continuing, it's going to be a Friday night tradition for us uh, every single Friday night. And I think that that's fantastic. Um, and I love that it's not like we don't have to, it's not like it's on at seven o'clock every single night. So we have to sit down, you know, if dinner's early or later, <laughs> or whatever, or if we have to move it to Saturday, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's fantastic. Now, the thing I really loved is that uh, before we knew anything about WandaVision, um, Katie and I were, we decided we wanted to watch the Dick Van Dyke show. All five seasons of that show are on Amazon Prime and, uh, and, and we love it. It's, we've, and we just finished watching it a couple months ago. We watched maybe one a week or so just to space it out and, and savor it. It is, I think, one of the best television shows in television history. It is so good. And so when that first preview came out and we're like, it's an obvious homage to the Dick Van Dyke show. We're like, holy yeah. cow, this is going to be awesome. And we loved every minute of it. Um, and then they do this flip and where, the, yeah, if this is a show about grief. Holy cow, what what's going on here? This is like better than, than anything that we could have possibly imagined this show was going to be about. Um, and knowing that this, the story from the comics, I mean, it's not exactly the same as the comics, but knowing where this character goes and the stuff yeah. that she, that the stuff that she has to deal with, I kind of knew that that was going to happen, but they just dealt with it on such a great emotional level. Um, and I, I feel the same way about, you know, when, when Tony Stark had to deal with his PTSD and Iron Man three kind of felt yeah. the same way as well. Like that, that hitting that sensitive topic in such a, an interesting way, um, and still keeping it a superhero show as well. Like, wow, they did a great job. I yeah, loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I have said since Iron Man three, I, uh, that that these types of stories are my favorite stories within really like comic book storytelling. Like the events are fun. It's awesome when the Avengers come together and we get the spinning shot and, you know, like, like yep. uh, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Like, like those, these things are awesome. They're great moments. And, and they, they, uh, as, as the people say on the internet, they live in, in my head rent free, uh, uh, forever. But, uh, but it is the aftermath that I am often the most interested in. So like, I, I, uh, Iron Man three is, is one of my favorite MCU movies uh far from home is one of my favorites like uh and 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 this is is yeah. right up there with that stuff because it does um kind of to what you were saying Amanda like it has something to say right like um 
I think Infinity War and Endgame have themes within them. Um, but they are much more about like, hey, this is the culmination of all of our storytelling. Our characters are all coming together to fight the threat. Um, and and thankfully, you know, we had Thanos as a villain. So that gave it some deeper meaning to it because that character had something to say. But for the most part, it was like, hey, like, let's create some scenarios where we get to see different team ups and and, you know, I, I, these dynamics when we mix in and match these characters. Um, but it is, it is in the aftermath of, of something like that, that we get to like delve into a character and actually like learn something. (laughs) Right. And I, and I, and I do think like, like you said, Iron Man three is about, is about PTSD and, um, and, and grappling with responsibility and and all of that sort of thing um and then this is about this is about grief and it's about love and i uh, and i mean like it it is i love it when a story has a thesis where, where uh there's a there's a singular moment or in this case a singular line that can sum up the whole thing and when vision says what is grief but love persevering which has now become a meme and it's become like this, this pop culture moment. But, uh, but it is, it is literally the thesis of the show. Right. And, and that's why, that's why it hits. That's why it, it lands so impeccably because it, that one line does sum up everything that happens in this series. And, and, and it is such a great bait and switch of, coming into it and it's like hey this is a this is a great perfect replication of the dick van dyke show and shows of that era and we go through decade by decade and we get lulled into this awesome false sense of security with the first three episodes only to have our world rocked in the fourth episode where all of a sudden we're outside the hex and then in the fifth episode when we get like because the fourth episode is a bridge right where it's like oh hey now we're gonna connect these two worlds and the fifth episode is the episode where where we go like no no this is a marvel movie and we open (laughs) on monica reforming after the second snap right where like from the blip that was so amazing um and and it's done i mean like they must have spent a significant portion of the budget on that scene uh, just to, to, to get that right, because it was so important to get that scene, right? Cause that is our connective tissue into the larger Epic Marvel world of it. Right. Um, and the, and then from that point on the, uh, the, the construct of the, 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 like that narrative construct of sitcom starts to break down episode by episode. Right. Cause it's the, that next one, the, the, the eighties episode where we, where we get vision starting to realize that something's happening. And then he shuts down the episode at the end, right? When she's trying to roll credits and he's like, no. And he slams through the door and the credits blip off. Right. Like they, like he, he disrupts the show. Um, And, and it's from that point forward that everything kind of starts to fall apart, which I just think is such a great way to tell the story environmentally, as well as um, with the emotions of the characters. Uh, but what, what you've talked about is this beautiful, the behind the scenes that we get in yeah. a television show that they wouldn't show us in a movie. Like, 
what's the moment after that big catalyst? Like in Avengers, right? That snap where the, the Hulk and they're like, did it work? Did it work? But like the mendacity of a hospital dealing with all of this population that has suddenly blipped back and they know yeah. what's happened and the chaos that's there and how you find, like, I just think that that's such a unique and awesome part of them having built this world over 10 years and us getting to live in the middle of it, right? We get to start stuff in the middle rather than yeah. having all these origin stories all the time where they tell us how it came into being. We get to be in it. And that's just so exciting. So Yeah, they, they actually, um, they did it in a much more, I think respectful way than they how they did it in Far From Home, yeah. Because they played it up for comedy in Far From Home, you know when the blip ha- come, when the people all come back, it's like there's a basketball game and then these marching band people pop up right in the middle of it. It's like it's all played for laughs, but then actually no, that all these people flooding back has serious implications and we get a better sense of that i think in this show that was a great moment yeah i i I mean i think to be fair to far from home like it's 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 context and perspective for sure absolutely because far from home is from the perspective of peter that's the story so we're gonna get it it's a little bit more juvenile because he's a teenager but up until that point that was the only kind of closure we had from for sure from that um but there but there is there is great subtle stuff in far from home because there is the moment when the, the Martin star as their teacher, he, uh, I don't, I don't remember the character's name, but where they're talking about it. And I think it's when they're on the airplane or whatever. And he's talking about the blip and he's like, my wife pretended to be blipped. Like, like he, and it's like, it's, it's, it is played as a joke, but it is this great moment of like, Oh, because uh, uh, Aunt May also says, like, oh, you know, like, I blipped back into my apartment and the people who'd been renting it were thought that I was an intruder. Like, they thought that I was breaking in. Yeah. Um. So, there, like, there were definitely, like, there was subtext there. Um. But then, yeah, to, to come in and to see, like, in a much more serious situation like hey what happens in the middle of a hospital when everybody gets blipped back and and they have said sort of behind the scenes that that when the hulk one of the reasons why it takes so much out of him is that like when when he snaps he has to he has to it's it's like a genie right like you gotta you gotta be very specific with your wish or i guess it's more like a monkey's paw but you gotta be very specific (laughs) with your wish or you're gonna end up with I uh, w- with some some consequences and Hulk had to I uh, sort of like account for all of the angles in that moment right like he had to to basically say like bring everybody back but bring them back safe make sure that everybody like like that nobody's hurt if you were in an airplane you're back in the airport right like that's like, that like, was my <laughs> biggest question when you mentioned yeah, about the guy yeah. in the airplane I was like what about all the people in the airplane yeah the airplane goes down just the middle and, of the air <laughs> And you do, you do get, you do get the subtext of that in the funeral scene when, when he sort of says like, like, uh, like he tried to bring back, uh, 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 Natasha, right? Like he tried to bring back Black Widow, but, but it basically wouldn't let him. Um, so like there more happened in that snap in that, in that second than we're kind of privy to. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it is great to see it from these multiple perspectives. This is why the MCU works though, right? Like the fact that we can go over to guardians or Spider-Man or Ant-Man and have these great comedic stories. And then we can flip back over to Captain America and have these like spy espionage thriller stories. Right. And it's all the same universe and it all plays together. 
Um, and, and it all, it all, it all works well. And that's why I think after, after the last 11 years, like really now we're on 12, right. Uh, of of storytelling, you can come in with WandaVision and you can just throw the book out and just be like, yeah, so, um, (laughs) the first three episodes of this, we're not going to give you anything other than like a couple of brief creepy moments to let you know that like, there's more going on. This isn't just sitcoms they, like there is something bigger but yeah they, it, it is fantastic um let's let's switch gears let's talk about our favorite moments from wandavision uh curtis what what g- give me like your your top two moments what what, oh, what, what are the what are your top two moments from this the whole season two moments so oh, so hard to say um i loved everything that elizabeth olsen did <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the range that she was able to express during this the course of these episodes from from comedy from different comedy from different eras because that yeah. comedy is portrayed differently in each of those episodes which is fa- fascinating um, but then also uh, the emotional breakdown like you know when she fell to her knees and cried in, when she was in the like the the plot of land. Like, I think we all cried at the same time. And like when she's saying goodbye to her children, like that was like, Holy cow. I, there's not a dry eye in the, in the house there. And then going also to then like bordering on the horror side of things, uh, when she's, you know, getting all of her powers and she's fighting Agatha and like, so just her herself, Mm-hmm. Um, being there and showing so much more of her abilities um, of as an actress than she did in any of the other movies that she's the Avengers movies that she's been in was just fascinating to me. Um, my other favorite moment is the the flashback episode, which we got, which told a little bit more of the yeah. story from Age of Ultron. Yeah. And um, while I was kind of like didn't didn't particularly like how they were shoehorning the whole sitcom aspect into her backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I did really like it when just like she chooses the Walnut episode of Dick Van Dyke show. And because most, I would say 99% of my generation hasn't watched the Dick Van Dyke show and doesn't know the significance of the Walnut episode. And we're, I'm like, and so Katie and I are watching that. Like, we feel like we're special because we know what's going on here. We get a little yeah. clue. So I love that moment. I thought that was great. Um, and what's, what's significant the, about the Walnut episode? Sorry, you can't just say that. And then so okay, <laughs> it's sorry. It's it is. It, it, there's nothing significant in terms of like cultural history or whatever. It's just the best episode of the show. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> no, we, that's fair. <laughs> and we realized that when we were watching it, we're like, this is such a great episode. And then, you know, Wanda chooses that episode. It's like, yeah, of mm. course she chose that episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, so do, do yourself a favor and go to Amazon prime and watch that episode. You don't need any context for the show. It's a sitcom. You can jump into any episode you want, but that episode is really really great. Great. <laughs> so, no, um, and then um, I I also loved all of the theme songs. And you mentioned who the music was written by at the beginning. Yeah. Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Uh, they're the team who wrote all of the music for Frozen and Frozen Two. And I just love that music. It's so complex and interesting. And they did such a fantastic job 
capturing the eras of all of the different theme songs that they did throughout every episode. And the Agatha was behind it all song as well. Like great, great music. I loved, uh, I loved all of those songs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amanda, what, 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 what stood out for you? So, I mean, I, not to steal Curtis's thing, but you can't, the, the, culmination of that episode where she she falls to her knees in the foundation of the house and you see stuff emulate from her like just that wave it's sort of like the grief washing over you right and then it just happens to be that she can have it wash over this whole town um is is just mm-hmm. so be- like i just i just loved it and you're you're exactly right there's a lot of stuff that keeps coming up on my on my feeds and and in my social media where people are just being like how have we not been paying more attention to elizabeth olsen and just like how how great yeah. she is yeah. and it's and it's like she's she sort of did slowly come in i do love the comments every now and then about her accent i do think that that's kind of funny <laughs> like a music like just like the idea <laughs> of like, what's, yeah. what's going on with that and um uh but there's just again, overall, there was like just some small moments in each of the episodes where you really like actors that I like, like um, the girl that plays Anya or whatever, Emma, Emma Call Caulfield or whatever is in uh, like the Caulfield. second episode yeah, yeah. where she's um, and like you get that sort of creepy and you're like, you know that something's going on, like that moment where you hear the radio and you're like, what's 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 happening? Like, what's like, what is this? Like, you know, because we as people who know the Marvel Universe, we know that there's something off there, right? Um, and then to be able to go back and see that mm-hmm. from a different perspective. And th- they did that so many times, right? It's where it's like always like the story from a certain point of view and and how, how are they connected and what's happening um, in those stories. So I, I liked that we solved the, the puzzles because sometimes they'll leave it hanging like hanging for you and you don't really know what's happening. But I like that we got to figure out like all the different pieces that were coming happening. And then my fi- one of my final option uh, things that I really loved is the the Rambo uh, getting her powers, walking through the um, the hex mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. and you just because I also don't know. I came into this only knowing the history of people from the Marvel films. Like I don't have the comic book history. I don't have all these things. I knew that Monica Rambo was. Yeah important in some capacity i actually did not know that she was a superhero so to be that and to be like oh this is another origin story for a superhero how cool i just love those bits and even without knowing the history of monica rambo knowing the comic books of that i still can very much get excited about i know that i'm watching something significant i know that something important is happening that i i am invested in as a as a viewer and so i liked those those moments and also there's so many moments that i didn't know about i didn't know wanda's kids were avengers or like younger like i didn't know that everybody was significant and then so finding that out as i went was just it was just nice to that you can enjoy this story without having all the history of marvel and i know that you can enjoy it with having all the history of marvel and that's what i love and what i think that they do really well in these large franchises is that they hit for me as an audience member with a little less knowledge i still enjoy it just as much as i think somebody who does have all of that knowledge so that's what i liked yeah for sure uh yeah yeah i mean i i think they just they balance that so well with servicing the fans uh like the like the longtime fans but also making it accessible right um i, I mean it's, it's just a perfect example of that um yeah, for me, I mean, I I think one of the one of the biggest moments for me in this season is 
uh, is is the reveal of Evan Peters as Pietro. Yeah. Uh, that was a it, jump out of my seat moment. <laughs> yeah, and Katie's I mean, like, like, "What the heck? Why are you doing that?" <laughs> it was it was one o'clock in the morning for me, and I uh, I couldn't go to. I don't think I went to sleep until about two thirty that morning because I because I was just like my brain was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god and I know that some people after the fact now are like oh well it was a red herring it's not a red herring and I said this I was on I I I a podcast YouTube uh, live show I geeky waffle WandaVision rewind I I for that episode or sorry uh was it for that yeah I think it was for that episode and I I, I kind of said a little bit about it there and, and I'll sort of reiterate myself here. Like the, the fact that it is Evan Peters is confirmation. I mean, we already know that the multiverse exists because Dr. Strange has mentioned it. He traveled through it in his movie, but, um, but multiple versions of reality exist. And, and it is confirmation that the, that the, the Fox Marvel characters exist within the multiverse concept of this, but also that our world is a part of the story of the MCU now. And this is, this requires a little bit of like, like I, I backbending, I, I <laughs> mental gymnastics, but but basically the the idea of it it's this is like quantum theory for storytelling right <clears throat> the fact that we perceive the show we know that evan peters is quicksilver in the fox x-men movies uh and that he is showing up in the mcu as pietro means that it's all relevant it all matters cuz everything is connected <laughs> the the fox x-men the mcu wanda and pietro and us as the viewers are all part of the narrative and to me like that is i said it I, I, after that episode aired i think i tweeted it at like 1 30 in the morning or, or like two o'clock in the morning i was like oh my god i just realized wandavision is the community of the MCU. Like it, it takes, it takes all these sitcoms. It takes all of the MCU storytelling devices and it breaks them down and deconstructs them and then builds them back into a narrative that incorporates all of those elements in order to tell the story, which is exactly what community does. Uh, and was the reason why community is my favorite TV show of all time. Cause it isn't it community is not one TV show. It's all TV shows, movies, and some video games. Right. Right. Like, so it, no matter what you like, there's an episode of community for you to enjoy. And I feel like WandaVision was very similar. And one of the things that Dan Harmon was so good at with community and certainly also with Rick and Morty is using narrative storytelling and viewer perception as a lens to say something. And they did that with this Quicksilver moment of like, Hey, we know that you guys are waiting for it. We know that you guys are aware that we now have the rights to these characters. Again, we are going to mess with you a little bit before you get what you want. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and some people are mad about that. And I understand why they're mad about that. But at the same time, like it's coming. This is them going like, Hey, we're making the thing that you want. 
like the like mutants are coming. This is the beginning of it. This is the beginning of that story, whether you can see it right now or not. Just like we find out way later down the road that the Tesseract is the first Infinity Stone and then they retcon it so that it's like, well, the reason why Iron Man even has an arc reactor in the first place is because Howard Stark had his hands on the Tesseract for years and studied it. And that's what the arc reactor is. It's the Earth equivalent of like, this is the closest that we can get to the power of the Tesseract, which is an Infinity Stone, right? Like it's, it's, it's the, we're at the same moment right now with mutants and the and multiverse theory that that we were at the beginning of the mcu with the infinity stones and where we got to an end game so in my opinion quicksilver showing up in the way that he did is the first plot point in a path that leads us to avengers versus x-men in eight or nine years like maybe we'll get there faster because they're telling so many more stories now but but we are going to get there. And and I'll just say right now, I think that Wanda will be swapped out for the Phoenix. I don't I don't think that they're going to go the Phoenix route, which is what they did in Avengers versus X-Men, because Fox did Phoenix twice and they did it horribly both times. <laughs> and I and I think that Kevin Feige is smart enough to go like, we're not going to go back to that. Well, let's do something different. And I think it's going to end up being Wanda, just like how they used Wanda as their only mutant at the time to set off civil war, which is like the, like a thing that you only kind of see it in retrospect that civil war in the oh. comics happened because a mutant it blew up a whole town I didn't with his powers. See that. Oh. And, and in civil war in the MCU, Wanda blows up some delegates from Wakanda and that's what starts off civil war. Right. So it like Feige is really, really clever at planting those seeds and like having that continuity, even when people are like, oh, this story is totally different from Civil War in the comics. It's like well, Civil War in it? the comics was uh, the new New Warriors started that. Right. Because they were doing a reality TV show. And but it, but it was a mutant that he, he it was a mutant that they that blew up the town or whatever. Oh, okay. they, they, yeah. That that became like the the, the flashpoint. Right. 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 And as somebody- so, in any case. Yeah. Sorry, I got. I still got to give my second <laughs> yeah. thing. Okay. Okay. And oh, then I want to. I want to loop back. Actually, can I? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You do your thing, and then I want to loop back to what you you were saying just now. I uh, my second thing is really simple. It's it's dead simple. Uh, Wanda finally becoming the Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. in name and uh, in appearance was so gratifying. Uh, yeah. And when it when it got teased in in the penultimate episode. I, I, during the flashback stuff and we saw the Scarlet Witch come out of the Mind Stone, right? And appear to her and give her her powers, uh, retconning the whole story, but <laughs> whatever. I, I, and then Agnes saying, you know, you're the Scarlet Witch. And then them fulfilling that in the next episode. The costume is... Costume design. I mean, like... So I, good. Wanda's had some good stuff like like definitely her Avengers costume was 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 pretty good um, for what they were doing of like, oh, we want this to hearken to but not be we're not going there. And then in this series, we got her in the comic accurate costume uh, in the Halloween episode, um, which I thought was just a great foreshadow. A great foreshadow of yep. the fact that she becomes the Scarlet Witch at the end and the interpretation of the costume. I mean, like this is one of those things where like in 2000, when X-Men came out, 
and redefined the way that the X-Men looked for 10 years, uh, where all of a sudden now they are all in black leather with yellow piping on it, right? Like, uh, this is going to redefine the way that that Scarlet Witch looks for a generation of comics. Um, this is, She will look this way in the comic books, and it will be like the definitive this is the Scarlet Witch moving forward, right? Um, they gave her pants. And they gave her pants. But, like, the thing is that, like, they gave her all of the hallmarks of the costume while updating it away from the problematic uh, design of yeah. the original costume, right? Which is very much... I mean, and, Just the and bathing suit, yeah. We got the best of both worlds because we did get to see her in that earlier and it was definitely played for exactly what it is which like hey she looked hot (laughs) like she was she looked great in the halloween episode in a silly halloween costume um but then at the end it's like in her in her full scarlet witch costume it's like hey it's she's not in a bathing suit it's not the revealing like you know like there's her boobs sort of thing which is what the classic comics uh, depict her as but it was like like damn like elizabeth olsen looks good at the end of this series um and and like agatha says it right she's like oh you know did i leave the oven on or is that just you hot (laughs) stuff right like I, but they did it in a way where it's like, it is definitely a sexy costume, but it is also like, there is this awesome power that it conveys in the way that it's been designed. Um, and, and the crown, like the turn, turning the, the mask into the tiara sort of thing. I, it just, it's just such a, such a beautiful stroke of, of great concept design they just they nailed it and for me as someone who 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 likes to design superhero costume reimaginings on a regular basis like this is this is the sort of thing that i live for i i love redesigns and they nailed this one and it what it gets me so hyped for is knowing that we're gonna get a moment just like it in falcon and winter soldier at the end of that when when Sam steps out in the Captain America Falcon costume, right? Because we've seen he's got a new costume, Bucky's got a new costume, but they didn't they haven't shown us the Captain America version of Falcon yet. And you know that it's coming, right? When he steps into that into I don't that know that role, it's coming because right? I didn't know that that was a thing. So Well, I mean it's the whole that's the whole that's the whole premise of the series. Like like Is that, it? it's okay, good. Yeah, well it's stated know. in the trailer of like Bucky says to him, like you you like the world needs the symbol, right? And right. Sam is reluctant to become Captain America. But by the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's the whole point of the story is that he's going to be Captain America at the end. Okay. Um, I, I I might be wrong, but I mean, like, I mean, Curtis, probably, am I yeah, wrong? Probably. I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong on this one. Um, I think um, both he and Winter Soldier will be both Captain America at the same time. Is that your, that's your prediction? Is that your official prediction? We'll get there. We're not there in the, oh, okay. in the rundown. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's later on in your yeah. itinerary. What, what did you want to circle back to, you, Curtis? Um, okay, so you were talking about uh, Wanda, you know, setting off civil war and stuff. And certainly there were consequences because they had the whole Sokovian Accords and everything like that. Yeah. But, but Wanda still kind of got off the hook. She ran yeah. away and nobody, nothing really came of it. In this one, 
she enslaves an entire town and gets away with it again. You're not, you're not about to, everybody. You're not about to go down the, the, I, I, the punishment needs to fit the crime. I'm just saying that I don't know why she's, why, um, I mean, I know that in order to tell her story, they just kind of sidestep that. But I can answer this question for you. And I think I personally think it's answered in the series. When she walks up to Monica afterwards and is like, I'm like, and she's like, because Monica says they'll never understand what you sacrificed for them. Yeah. And, and she's like, it wouldn't matter. Right. That is the two of them having a conversation about her guilt in this situation. And then when Wanda is basically like, I'm going to go now. And Monica just kind of gives her the nod. I, that is Monica who, who like, let's be real. She's now the head of sword, right? Like, like we know that that's where that character's going. I, cause she, she should have been in the first place. Um, the conversation that they have without having it is you couldn't stop me anyways. Well, for sure. You Absolutely. like, you can't, you can't like, and, and Monica knows that. And Monica also knows like you're an Avenger. And as much as like in, in civil war, there's stuff about them, like not being above the law, the, 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 the ultimate lesson at the end of that is that they kind of have to be right in this world that they've created with, heroes but, but they kind the of heroes have to be, have to be yeah. above and outside of it like they're accountable to each other but mm-hmm. not to they're gods right like in the in the mythological sense like like humans can't hold zeus accountable for the shenanigans that he gets up to right right but the other gods can hold him accountable right like to a certain degree right um so but i isn't, think that's isn't monica one of those gods so she's maybe not at that status not, yet not not yet but, but she kind of is she's a bridge right but so, yeah it's okay to say though that the heroes are above the law if they're doing something that's morally justified though which 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 wanda is not doing in this show but they speak i think they speak to that a little bit in the the citizens coming to her and their one of their biggest concerns is that they can feel her grief, right? And that idea that like at a certain point you figure out you're like it's somebody does have to make amends, like you have to apologize for doing things that hurt other people, right? But also if you have like you just it's like how you how you're dealing with stuff I think people in the town recognized that she wasn't vindictive. She wasn't getting pleasure out of it. She wasn't like evil. And part of that is, I think needs to be taken into account. It's how, it's how you tell a story about a villain and make them not a villain. And that's my biggest sort of thing about WandaVision is that because it's a story about her, she gets to be okay in the end, but she does terrible things. And how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you tell a villain story? And it's like, well, if the people around her can understand, like they, they are like, Hey, these are the problems with it. Stop it. And then she does Mm -hmm. like, it's a tear. I know that it's terrible and it takes too long to get there. But when she hears, right. When she's like, but I was, (laughs) I was helping you, right. Like I was just keeping you, I was keeping you quiet. Like it was all good. Everything was fine. And and they're like, no, you, you weren't. And that I think is, that's how they, it's always this problem. Like how do you save a, save a villain in a, in a show? But I think I think the morality needs to step outside of crime and punishment um, 
and and into like sort of the ethical consideration of it and it's not like I think this is the problem with crime and punishment and using that as the lens to view it in is that crime and punishment only considers the ethical ramifications of the, of who we see as the victims in this scenario. Right. And what Monica sees they, that I think a lot of the, and and I, I would say Darcy and, and Jimmy also see it is that Wanda is a victim in this right like she didn't but she did ask to have the powers in a way but like she didn't ask to be the scarlet witch she she didn't know that that was what was going to happen right uh she was radicalized by this situation i mean like it like it goes back to she wasn't innocent and the world turned her into this character the scarlet witch has always kind of ridden the line in the comics of like is she a hero is she a villain so I like that they play with that, but I think that like in the comics, there isn't an answer to that question, right? So in 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 this scenario, she is not a villain or a hero. She is both and neither, right? Um, but, but that but shouldn't it, discount she, the victims, right? Like, she I, put I, a lot I don't of think in. I don't think it does. But also, like, like what's to be done? Right. She didn't she didn't go to Westview with the intent of enslaving the population. It happened. And it's like Vision says partway through the story is like, I have to believe that you didn't that you weren't initially conscious of it. And and you see that turn from that moment where you do see Wanda start starting to take control and starting to realize what's actually happening. And as she does, that's when that's when she starts to lose control of the construct, right? Is when she starts to realize that she's the one doing it. Previous to that, she's not she wasn't in control of it. It was a it, I mean, it's it's the chaos magic. It was the Scarlet Witch. It's 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 something outside of her. It's a cosmic force. That's why I think we're heading towards the Scarlet Witch being the stand-in in Avengers versus X-Men for the Phoenix Force, right? Because they're they're treating it in a very similar fashion. And I think that I this is my biggest thing. We don't have to answer these questions right now because Multiverse of Madness is going to go there. And I think that eventually Avengers versus X-Men is going to ask and debate all of these questions with the rest of our heroes, right? And we're going to get moments of <laughs> probably professor x and and mr fantastic having a debate because captain america won't be around to do it but like it'll be different characters from what happened in avengers versus x-men but it'll be the same conversations of like is wanda responsible for this force that resides inside her right because she's a person and the scarlet witch is apparently a cosmic force right so who like who's to blame here Wanda or the cosmic force that's controlling Wanda at times. Right. So uh, it, to me, it's like, like the, it's, it's, it's so much more nuanced than Wanda did a bad thing. She should go to jail now, which is the discourse that's happening for a lot of people online, which is also, uh, that never well, happened. With, that, the, sorry, do you believe ahead. in punitive justice or restorative justice? Because well, yeah. one of the things that I feel is that like, again, punishment is not necessarily like always punitive, right? The idea of like, how does she make amends for this? And I feel like yep. that's what defines superheroes from villains is that superhero. And I mean, that's the whole, I mean, not to 
bring us all down. But, you know, Batman versus Superman, right? Like, Superman was responsible for the <laughs> yeah. devastation of all of Metropolis. And Batman thought that he was a villain. because, Right? Like, But it's like how you, but, how these individuals yeah. take that responsibility on themselves and what they do with it is is how we get to judge them because that's what we've set up the standard for what a superhero yeah. is. And so, I think it allows so us to navigate that. To stay within... Yeah, to stay within the MCU and to use examples from because because DC treats their characters totally differently, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of hard to it's apples and oranges. But to stay within the MCU, nobody after walking out of Age of Ultron was like, "How come? How come Tony and Bruce aren't in jail at the end of that movie? They created Ultron, right?" right? Like, like without the oversight of the rest of the Avengers, like tone, like they specifically do it behind everybody else's back and they create the monster that destroys this city in Sokovia and almost destroys the whole world. But it does get dealt with in civil war, right? Like, so we can't, I, to me, it's like, you, we can't take each of these stories as like a be all end all the, the, the story continues in the next thing. Right. And multiverse of madness, I think is going to address this stuff. I think that I, and I, and I do think that there will be a debate in that of, I uh, like, and Dr. Strange will be the one who sort of mediates it of like, what, like, what are you going to do to repair the damage that you've done? Wanda right and uh, and you're the damage that you're continuing to do because I think that when we come into that story it is very much going to be Wanda tearing apart the multiverse in order to get back what she lost right and and it's going to be Doctor Strange being like you can't keep doing this there are consequences to your actions um, and they are going to be pitted against each other uh, but then I think that we'll find out that there's a larger villain pulling strings right um more than likely is. a Mephisto or something like that. Right. So, so like, well, like we're gonna, we're gonna go there and we're going to have these conversations again, but, but this is literally like the first act of that story. So um, we've barely talked about vision at all in all of this. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot to talk about with vision, but I want to get into our MVP. So this is a segment that I, uh, that that came to me today as I was thinking of of things that we were going to talk about on the podcast. Um, I want to know from this story who you guys think I uh, is is the MVP, and I kind of want to come to a consensus on who we think is like who was the most valuable player in WandaVision. Um, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but Jimmy, man, you think Jimmy? <laughs> No, I just think he's, I think he should get more of a, I just want, I just want us to not, not talk about him on this podcast. So I had to <laughs> Absolutely. Him. Well, okay. So, so, so the three characters that I sort of put up that, that, that I would put up as nominations for this above and beyond the rest of the cast would be Jimmy, Darcy and Monica, because yeah. without those three characters, the story would have gone in a very different direction and would not have been a positive outcome. Cause I do think that at the end of the day, we have a positive outcome. The, the hex is dispelled. Agatha doesn't win. Um, and, and Hayward doesn't win. Right. The, I think that without the, the intervention of those three characters, you definitely end up with Agatha and Hayward getting what they want from Wanda and yeah. Wanda being in a much worse position than she's in right now. Um, 
and and possibly you know doing something that that's a little bit more catastrophic i uh, i uh, in in an attempt to fight back against them so, so I, of I those just, three characters you, do you what's your argument for jimmy being the standout of those three because okay and because i feel like i'm uniquely qualified to be able to speak to this because the monica and cat but or well i guess darcy darcy and monica <laughs> both yeah. are are great um, Monica is a superhero, right? And there's a certain amount of that. And Darcy, she lives up yeah. to her expectations of being a like cool crack whiz of all the stuff. But like, and so they're great. These great female characters that I'm like, yes, these women did awesome things. But in terms of like actually assessing something and going out, like Jimmy was just like a guy that's like, you know what? I'm gonna investigate this, and I don't have a ton of power, and I'm not ultra like i like i just think that it was great for him to just be real like low-key and like problem solve and bring people together like that there's i think that's really underrated that we when we think of mvps we think of like the standouts the ones that came in and solved it all themselves but like the understated the like he's just a regular dude that was able to bring like he saw what needed to happen and he saw what the flaws were and he knew he couldn't fix it himself so he brought in these lovely women that can can get it done for him and I think that that's very powerful and feminist of him. So <laughs> well, yeah, he 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 brought Darcy her coffee because that was the most important thing that he could do in that moment. Yeah, right? was, right? was like, get them their coffee. Just get and get out of the way because let them let yeah. them de- handle yeah. it. You brought yeah. them in for a reason. Support them in what they're doing, and when they ask you for help, you find a way to help them because you know yeah. that they're the solution. So that's he that's also my, yeah. he also so so. <laughs> I like this and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, one up yours not one up, but like, but like add to yours and say, he also in the moment when Hayward is starting to reveal himself as a villain, Jimmy puts his neck on the line and sort of steps out and says like, Hey, that's like, you can't talk to your, like your, your subordinates this way. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, you're kind of being a jerk. Like he says that. <laughs> In in no uncertain terms of like to to try and put Hayward back in his place of like hey like these like you wouldn't know what's going on without Darcy and you wouldn't have the intel that you have without Monica so you should be respecting these people a little bit more and it's very clear I think from Jimmy's perspective like you're misogynist and I can tell <laughs> um and and I like he's just he's an awesome ally in that moment and I would just, I like. I would say that he is, he is two things. I feminist icon, Jimmy, (laughs) I think, I think in this, um, because he's such a perfect example of exactly how men should support women in situations like this. Um, which exactly what you're saying, like, like get them what they need and then get out of their way. Like let them do their thing. I, I, and that's just a great leadership. I, 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 quality overall but then like he is if we were if we were doing mvp for avengers i think the clear answer to that is and always has been colson right like without (laughs) colson you don't end up with the avengers at the end where they don't save the day they don't become a team um and it's i mean it's stated within the movie so in the same way in this story i think that jimmy woo is the colson of this specific story uh, he's the glue that 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 holds this weird team together. Uh, as long as we end. recognize that 
like this is Wanda's story. As long as we yeah, all absolutely. agree that like she's well, but, by and, far Aven- yeah. this is Avengers but it's was like, not yeah. Coulson's story, right? Yeah. And yet yeah. Coulson Coulson is the strong link that keeps the mm-hmm. team together, right? And I think that that in the same way Jimmy is absolutely the the strong link that keeps everything like he's so even keel. He never loses his cool. Like he just, he just does what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And, and, and he's resourceful and on all of those things um, and keeps up with everybody. He keeps up with Darcy when it's the tech stuff. He keeps up with Monica when it's beating the snot out of sword agents. Right. Like, it, like he just, he, he just seems like he's ready for anything. Um, and uh, I, I can't wait to see him again in, in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Is that when he's <laughs> the, coming back? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that they've nice. confirmed that, he, that he's back for that. So I was hoping that we'd see him uh, do some magic tricks in this show at some point. Does he do <laughs> magic Well, I mean, he does, the, he, does the, he does the he does the the card at the beginning. And then he does he does say flourish when he takes the handcuffs off. Oh. <laughs> I didn't moment. understand that. That's a joke. That was great, though. I did yeah, like. Cause... He's just so weird and quirky. I love. Like it just there was. I thought that was where... a. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, you can you can say you have something probably more exciting to say. But for me, I'm just kind of like he was just like he wasn't important and in that he found his importance and that's what i really like is that in in a world that's so fantastical how do you find the characters that are really just sort of doing their thing and i will say darcy sort of did that too grounded but like but it's but it's like it's it's a little different like it's i because also there's a certain sarcasm to darcy that i feel is just overplayed for that (laughs) for that character where they're like, she can yeah, care less. Sure. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, I like care. what you say. Yeah. It's a good perspective. I didn't think of Jimmy as, uh, as that character. So it was nice to hear. Cause I mean, you would normally go to like, well, Monica, because she's the superhero and, and yeah. got through to, to, to uh, Wanda at the end there. And, or Darcy was the one who pointed vision in the right direction to get him on his path or whatever. But no, Jimmy, it's very, very wise words there. <laughs> So are we all in agreement then? Is it is the MVP is Randall Park as Jimmy Woo? I think so. The FBI agent, the G-Man. Uh, awesome. Okay. Cool. I just so, I do have Keith. to have to point out too that people are allowed to be mad at me on International Women's Day for me nominating the man of the series <laughs> to be the yeah, MVP I, for. <laughs> it's I, it's not to yeah. say that he is the central character. It's yeah. just to say that like. <laughs> Would things have gone? Would things have ended in a positive light without this character? Right? Like would we no, have gotten I, the result yeah. that we got. I and think I, it was I, very intentional. I mean, we yeah. have a show that was created by a woman who brought in a whole bunch of women on the writing team. They obviously wrote Jimmy to be this way. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know what wave of feminism we're on right now, but I feel like characters like Jimmy Woo are on like at the crest of that wave. Yeah. Um, because he is the type of man that we need to see more of in media that isn't intimidated by women with uh the, with skills or or abilities beyond his and they like that that treats them as human beings like that and and at no point is he ever like hey you can't talk to a woman that way and like acts all alpha male about it he's just very reasonable and rational about it of like I you don't talk to your coworkers like this. Like I like it doesn't matter who they are. He doesn't bring up the fact that they're women, but he just like he does step in as a man with authority to say like 
you can't do this. Like he uses his privilege to help them. Right. So I think, yeah. I do think that they, that that's a, or I mean, not that it does any good in that moment, but, <laughs> but he, he makes the attempt. Um, I also do like that they've given an Asian character this role because Asian yes. characters are seriously underrepresented in yeah. Marvel and, it, and yeah, Hollywood and, and in general. It's not as as is often the case with with BIPOC characters. Like he is not defined by it. It's yeah, not. It's totally. it. It isn't even a a thing that gets brought up at all. Nope. It's just one aspect of his character mm-hmm. that really doesn't doesn't have a bearing on anything it's just he just is like they just cast this actor and that's just who he is um i i just i also love the way that the mcu has the ability to just pull these side characters together from other things the, yeah the, the genius of bringing a character from ant-man a character from thor and a character from captain marvel together as a team in order to create this bridge to the larger world and like implying the Avengers without ever really like needing <laughs> right. to, to bring up why the Avengers aren't there. Um, I didn't even I, think of that. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. What? Yeah. That's fun. And, and one of the things, one of, one of the other parts of it is that like, they are all legacies of the Avengers, right? Yeah. Like, like the things that the Avengers have done have affected the world in these positive ways. They've cre- they are, by existing, they are creating other heroes, right? Not just superheroes, but like everyday heroes and that sort of thing, which, which I think is a really cool sort of like meta textual narrative that's going on in there. Um, and for anybody who's like, how come the Avengers didn't come to help Wanda and deal with the hex? There are no Avengers right now. And I think that's one of the points of, WandaVision is to say, and it was one of the points of, of far from home as well as like, I mean, Nick Fury who ended up being Talos, but Nick Fury basically saying to Spider-Man is like, I don't have Avengers to call in. Like you, you're the guy, you are an Avenger, <laughs> like, yeah. like get to work. Um, yeah. I, they, like they're reinforcing that here. And I think that Falcon and winter soldier is going to do the same thing because we have to, the, the Avengers have been effectively disassembled. They have to, in order for house of M to be a thing. So it's again, Kevin Feige has put all of the pieces in place and, and in retrospect, we'll look back and be like, Oh, they did adapt all of these comic book storylines. They just did it in a really sly way. Um, let's talk, let's talk about the, the post credits scenes. Um, I think the first one's really cut and dry and this is usually the way that it goes. I, I photon Monica Rambo, I basically gets called up to the sword space station right um by nick fury like that's it's all between the lines they don't say those things but she's gonna be the director of sword right i think like that's that's what i read from it do you guys have a different read of it or no i think you got it right there i think they're setting her up for big things in captain marvel 2 yeah yeah um amanda anything no i mean no i I will have i will say (laughs) I'm very disappointed in myself that I didn't know there was post credit scenes until the last episode in which I was watching the like previously on and I was like, what's this blue vision thing? And then <laughs> I went back and I was like, damn it. There were only, <laughs> there there only... Were only the last two episodes. Okay, good. The, the rest just... of the season didn't have it. 
And that's because that's the thing was, is, I was like, I, I tried it. I watched them all in the beginning. I made very sure that yeah. there wasn't post credit scenes. And then I realized that I was like, I realized too that I had missed it. People had been talk, talking about something on their Facebooks. And I was like, oh, it's obviously something that's coming up with this blue vision that I'm not <laughs> paying attention to. Anyways. If the but, credit box doesn't shrink down to the very bottom corner and try to get you to watch another show, then there's a credit scene. But it doesn't yeah. do that for me on yeah. my the way that my Disney Plus plays. It just keeps what? going. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I will say, um, but I, the, I, because I watched the other two, I was, I was like waiting and I was like, I know that there's a post credit scene in this last one. And so I'm, I, I mean, I always love seeing, they're the crawl, right? The scroll? Scroll? Is that? The scroll. Scrolls. Scroll? Scroll. Yeah. Scrolls. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. I just really like. is a different, Kroll is, is a <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, I like those. Like, I just love the, it's just, it's an effect that they use so smoothly and it works and it's like a weird thing to believe that these, and I, so I like, I just love seeing them again and being like, oh yeah, that thing I really love from that other movie and you're going to do more of it. I'm here. Sounds good. I don't know. I just, I would like, I want more Captain. My, my hope. Oh, totally. Um, My hope is that she, is that Photon will um, rope Jimmy Woo into working for S.W.O.R.D. as well. Did you know that Jimmy Woo is actually one of Marvel's oldest characters? What? Yeah. Um, yep. Stretch dating way, way, way back before the Marvel Universe was even a thing. Um, Marvel Comics used to be called Atlas Comics, and Jimmy Woo was just a, a, a one of the characters in a one-off story. <laughs> and um, and in the comics now, he is part of a team called the Agents of Atlas, named after the old Atlas Comics. And uh, I'd like to see him get more of that kind of a role. Um, yeah, being cool. with a shield. I mean, sorry, I think, not, yeah, yeah, with, with sword. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think what we're gonna see by the like once once the this new status quo post end game gets sort of gets its feet under it, we'll have uh, whoever is running the new Avengers, um, and then we'll have sword. Right. As another thing, which will be like Captain Marvel and Nick Fury and uh, and and Photon and whoever else gets roped into that. And then I do think that will that Jimmy Woo is going to end up being like Coulson at the head of like basically the 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 division of the American government that works with superheroes. Right. Yeah, like he'll right. he'll be the go between between the 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 military and and the Avengers and Sword and everybody else, um, to sort of to like kind of keep everybody in the loop. So I think that we're going to see a lot more of him doing that stuff, and I, I think that stuff will become really clear in uh, in Ant Man and the Wasp three, Ant Man three, I guess. I don't know. Um, cool. Our uh, our second post credit scene at the very very end uh, is <laughs> as so many of our characters who are kind of a hero, kind of a villain. Um, we end with with Wanda uh, secluded in a cabin in the woods, uh, training, learning to control her powers. Um, and uh, and the very last moment is her, I uh, I uh, hearing her her children. Did you not see this? No. Uh oh. You haven't what? seen this. <laughs> Here's 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 the 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 behind the scenes of why it's the three of us 
on this podcast. <laughs> because you needed somebody that knew what they were actually doing and that's why you brought Curtis on board. Curtis, Curtis represents the uh, ridiculous, vast uh, depth of knowledge of original comedy. He just was... He exemplified it perfectly by by uh, teaching us about uh, Jimmy Woo and Atlas Comics. <laughs> I am definitely much more of the modern superhero comic fan. I uh, which, if you ever listened to Pullbox podcast, you knew that Curtis and I like that was sort of the dynamic. Is that Curtis is very yeah. much old school, and I'm very <laughs> much modern stuff. Um, and then Amanda represents the 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 run of the mill standard MCU fan. <laughs> I'm here for it. I mean, Huge loud fan of the proud. MCU. <laughs> loud proud. But like, yeah. Hasn't quite learned though yet to watch the, stick, the very 12 end. years in, doesn't stick around to the very end of the credits. <laughs> Come on. I did though. I look very specifically. Okay. Well, we'll anyways, run it down for you. Good. So we, so good, yes. <laughs> it looks like she's in the mountains somewhere. Okay. Sokovia. She's in Sokovia. She's I in would so- guarantee that's what it's supposed to be. And she's in a cabin all by herself. And okay. she's yeah. like, you know, dressed in sweats or whatever, and she sits down on the porch with a cup of coffee or something. And then the the camera pans inside the cabin, p- past Wanda inside the cabin, turns around the corner into a room, and we see, um, the the what is it called? The the spiritual form, her astral, uh, the, form. the astral form, the astral yeah. form of Wanda looking through the book that she got at the end of the episode. And like studying every page, she's floating. There's all of this kind of mystic energy going around, and she's looking at this book. It's the the book is called the Darkhold, and uh, and she's obviously learning more about how to gain a better control over her powers. Cool. Yeah, and the and the very last moment is as she's like reading this and focusing. We hear uh, Billy and, and Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Yep. Yeah, uh, Tommy. we hear their voices as they're crying out, like basically saying, "Like, mom, help." So yeah, it's it's very clear to me that this is it's doing two things. It's it's um, referencing back to Doctor Strange because there's a moment in Doctor Strange where he uh, in 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 his training montage where we see him while he's sleeping, his physical body is sleeping, his astral form is reading through books, right? So that's how he's able to learn as much as he does in such a short time because he doesn't stop right mm-hmm. like he's just, he's always awake in in one form or another learning 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 so she's doing the same thing she is but but it's one step further of like her physical form is awake she is conscious but she is also separated into her astral form or more likely like wanda and the scarlet witch have have split in that moment and like although they're still connected they are like she has the ability to separate and be in two places at once, basically because she can manipulate reality. So she's more powerful than Dr. Strange is basically like the, the implication there. If you sort of read it and read between the that, lines and on it, I was really that was pleased. stated in this show as well. Yeah. 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 How the Sorcerer Supreme kept talking is afraid about- of her. All of yeah. the things that you're like, all of this stuff for Multiverse of Madness. I feel like I probably would have had those same thoughts had I watched that last. <laughs> yeah, that last, for sure. <laughs> that last um, moment. <laughs> And then, and then, and then to me, what I said before of like multiverse of madness, I think is going to be Wanda doing whatever she has to in order to get her children back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that the caveat there is going to be the thing that's going to make it tricky is like, 
I think that the Scarlet Witch could very easily step into another reality and take uh, uh, Billy and Tommy. <laughs> but we learned in Spider-Verse that that's not, that's a bad th- guy thing to do. That's what Wilson Fisk was trying to do, right? That, that, that's what Kingpin do was trying to do. Didn't work. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work out for him. What she's trying to do is she is trying to get back the, the Billy and Tommy from the reality that she created. So yeah. that, and, and they exist. Uh, the full stop. I like anybody who wants to argue with me can try and argue with me about this. We have Kate Bishop being set up in Hawkeye. We've got Miss Marvel with her own series coming up. We already have uh, uh, Cassie Lang in the Ant-Man series. Like they, uh, we know that we've got um, um, America Chavez. It's Chavez, right? I think that's her last name. That mm-hmm. is uh, like the legacy of basically Captain America of the Young Avengers, the second one, because there was one before him, but uh, before her. But we they are they are setting up. They've already announced a bunch of the Young Avengers and Wiccan and Speed are part of that team. So there's no way they're not coming back. There's no way we're not getting those two kids back in that role. Um, I mean, like maybe we'll get older versions of them or something like that through the course of, of this storytelling um, when they get to young Avengers. But I think that the next Avengers movie will be, and it might not be a movie. It might be a a Disney plus series, but it will be young Avengers. And it's going to be these characters all coming together because they are, they are going out of their way to set all of these characters up in all of these Disney plus series. Um, it, it just, they, they kind of like, need to those like with, with comic books that you, you don't have to worry about actors aging, but yeah. with Avengers, when you, especially when we're talking about a 12 year span, like all of these actors are 12 years older than they were before. So why yeah. not cast the next round of Avengers really, really young so that they'll stick around for a yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because then we can have the young Avengers grow into the the event. real, the I, I think that they're also setting up the young Avengers version of vision. Uh, I, what, I can't remember what he was called, but um, because, because Kang is being set up in, uh, in quantum mania. So um, right. not to, not to spoil that story. Don't worry, Amanda, you'll forget by the time we get there. Don't worry. We're talking I will. years from now, but, yeah. but vision in young Avengers was actually, a young version of Kang, the conqueror, Kang, the time Lord conqueror, whatever his full title is, um, who came back and was a hero instead of a villain. So I, that we could very well be getting that with that character as well. So yeah, like we've got, we, there, there are young Avengers cropping up all over the MCU. There's no way that this is not telling us that those characters are coming back. So for sure. I know, I, I know that I've seen a lot of discourse online, especially on Twitter, about how you know Wanda doesn't get to have a happy ending, and and um, and her her children are taken away from her, just like all, like basically the idea that that in in storytelling, particularly in superhero and genre storytelling, powerful women don't also get to have families, um, like they don't also get to be loved and be in a in a fulfilling relationship. It's always one or the other you can be powerful or you can be happy (laughs) and i i would say like for this part of the story that might be true but i don't think that that will be uh i don't think that's where wanda will finish her story i think i think there's still a lot of story left to tell and certainly 
again, we haven't talked about Vision at all. And the <laughs> fact that we now have a completely new version of the Vision. That has, has all, all of memories. the memories. I'm so excited. Back, and also a touch of the Mind Stone. That, that, the yellow transferring into his little um, artificial Mind Stone uh, can't be an accident. Um, and so, when Vision says that yeah. he is the part of the mind stone that get Wanda says that that vision is the part of the mind stone that is in her. He transferred a part of that into this vision. So, so he has some of the mind stone in him. And I think that he just has to go away and reintegrate all of these different things and become vision again. Um, and eventually by the end of this storyline, I think that we will see Wanda vision and their children all reunited um, in whatever, however this story ends. So is it a little tiny arc reactor that's in that white vision's forehead? It is the same shape as Tony's final arc reactor, the the which isn't actually an arc reactor. That's the thing. That people right. call it an arc reactor, but it's not. That's the unit that houses his nano yeah. tech, right? So I I But there's think a that power source still. Visually it's meant to represent that, yes. And I and I think that that there might be connections there. Um I was really hoping that vision was going to be that, that, that the white vision was going to be Ultron reborn. Um, that's when, when that got revealed at the end of that episode, I was like, Oh man, I have a theory. And I was on Twitter. Like, I don't want to say anything cause I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But like, I think, I think I know where this is going and I was totally wrong. Um, I, but I, I, there's still opportunity for that. I mean, like Ultron never dies. He, he always comes back. Um, I, it, but I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity for them to bring back Ultron. Uh, what somebody pointed out to me and what I I can't undersell, we haven't really talked about it, but one of the things that's unique about WandaVision is that this gets to be a love story yeah. in a way that none of the other MCU things really are. And I think that just particularly as somebody that's drawn to that genre – I think that Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen had such great chemistry and I bought into that relationship from the first time that they really were like, well, most, I guess civil war, obviously, but like, but like that you, like, I really care about their relationship and it's very satisfying for me that the potential gets to still exist at the end of all of this, that vision yeah, mm-hmm. a part of him and like a like the memory part, right? Because you're kind of like who, what is consciousness and who is every right? But that a part of him that really that remembers that feeling and that emotion now exists in the world again. That makes me very happy at the end of all of this because how do you deal with? We still get yeah. to have that 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 story mean what it was that she had grief and it was real and she doesn't know that about it's not like she's now in the world where she like is trying to get back to him or anything like that it can exist separately but i as a viewer know that there's a hope for that love to persevere in some way and i think that that's kind of yeah that's exciting to me so just as a little extra yeah for that. absolutely uh awesome uh let's uh let's shift into into our our second our penultimate uh segment here um with our recommended reading, Curtis, uh, you've got a, you got a list of comics. If people liked the story of WandaVision, what comics should they go seek out to, uh, to, to keep going with some of uh, these, these themes and, and, uh, storylines. 
Now, the interesting thing about WandaVision is it draws from a lot of different sources to yeah. make one story. It's not as a direct adaptation of any one thing. So there are lots of things that you can read to kind of get some cool stories about Wanda and Vision. Uh, and of course, Marvel, because they love their marketing tie-ins, have just reprinted a whole ton of these old stories in new <laughs> editions it just in time for WandaVision so that you can have it available at your local comic shop or or wherever you buy comics from. So yeah, you can also a, read all this stuff on Marvel Unlimited, right? Yes, so. Marvel Unlimited is a great resource. It's like Netflix, but for comics, for Marvel comics. What? It's is it, amazing. Is this something I can go to online and pay a monthly subscription and read all yes. the Marvel I want? Yep. Wow. Yep. It, right. Yeah, exactly. So there's a book that came out called Vision and Scarlet Witch, The Saga of Wanda and Vision. It's a redundant title, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's so silly. But it collects a four-issue series where Wanda and Vision get married, and it collects a 12-issue series where Wanda and Vision uh, move to the suburbs. They quit being Avengers, and they move to the suburbs and try to live a normal life. And this is when Wanda gets pregnant the cool thing about this comic is that each issue is one month. And so it goes through the entire pregnancy, uh, you know, of course, culminating with uh, the, the birth of these two kids at the very end. Um, interesting is in that series, a Doctor Strange is the midwife. And I was totally expecting Doctor Strange to show up in WandaVision to be midwife here, but not the, not, I'm sorry, not the midwife, the, the actual uh, delivering doctor. Um, I guess, no, that's his midwife. Yeah. Um, and then another thing you could read is House of Amma's story where Scarlet Witch um, has sort of a mental breakdown uh, and decides that there should be no more mutants in the world and therefore creates an entire world or traps everybody in a construct of her own creating where mutants don't exist. Uh, and they have to deal with the ramifications of, of Wanda uh, kind of controlling everything like that. So that's you can see where the parallels are there. And then there are two, Marvel has these, this series called the Epic Collections. And there's two volumes of Epic Collections, one that just came out, one that's coming out later this year, one called Vision Quest, one called Darker Than Scarlet. That's the story where you'll see Vision going, turning into the white Vision. And it's also the story where we find out a little bit more about um, Wanda and Vision's children, which is completely different than the TV show. So it's a, it's a, New story, you won't be spoiled. You won't be spoiling the show, and you the show hasn't spoiled the comics. It's a completely different story. Um, that those ones are are done by John Byrne, who is one of the top names in comic history. So that's good stuff. Then you can also read a book called Young Avengers: The Complete Collection by Heinberg and Chung, and that is kind of the first appearances of Wiccan and Speed as we know them as superheroes, um, as you know, as teenagers. So that that's a good story too. So there's a there's a bunch of stuff for you to read if you are looking to get into the comics. A lot of these are older, like 1980s stories, so they don't flow as well as modern comics do. You might have an easier time with Young Avengers, uh, but it's all good stuff. I I enjoy them all. Awesome. I uh, cool. Well, we're just about done here. Let's wrap it up with our our what's next. So this is uh sort of looking ahead to, to what the next thing that we'll be, we'll be covering is, and that's Falcon and winter soldier. So I, uh, that it, like I said earlier, it starts in about a week, like just a little bit over a week. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, it is six episodes, I believe, and uh, it'll be, but it'll be roughly the same runtime as WandaVision was. Um, it's just, it's, it's broken up into less pieces, so they'll be a little bit longer. Um, I, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen some trailers. We basically know that this is a, a sort of a, a story about, about Sam Wilson, uh, the Falcon and, uh, him sort of wrestling with this legacy that's been handed over to him by Steve Rogers at the end of, uh, Avengers Endgame, um, to become Captain America to, to, to take up the mantle. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that we've basically got Bucky as his, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> <laughs> I which I love. I love that we're bypassing Bucky being Captain America because I, I don't think that he's going to be Captain America here. I think that the Bucky that they've created in this story is like I think I think because of every, the Wakanda stuff and everything that like he's he's enlightened and will basically be like, no, I'm not. I'm not the Captain America that the world needs, which I think is a it's an interesting commentary on when Bucky became Captain America a few years ago. Because that was very much Marvel trying to create a Captain America that was relevant to today. And they did it by making Winter Soldier into Captain America. And now all of a sudden, Captain America carries a gun and kills people, um, which was much more reflective of the military sort of occupation of of uh, the Middle East and stuff like that uh, of the time. So um, sort of it was sort of reflecting the world as it was. Um, but I, but I like this angle better where it's like, well, Sam's a little bit more aspirational, um, what the world could be, what America could be. Uh, so I think that's going to kind of be the journey there, but then we throw in with that. We've got, uh, 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 Zemo is coming back, uh, from civil war. The guy who was orchestrating the whole thing, they, they didn't really ever kind of like call him by name, but um but yeah baron zemo uh the guy that that black panther didn't kill in yes. the end <laughs> yep, yes that's the guy and so he'll be back with his purple balaclava uh this time uh which is exciting to see him in his full comic accurate uh or co- more comic accurate uh appearance um and we're then, also gonna uh, get john walker yeah I, uh, you're talking about U.S. agent, right? U.S. agent, yeah, yeah. He's a character that the um, when Captain America, the government tries to, uh, in the comics, the government tries to um, control Captain America, saying that you are an agent of the country, so you need to be under our jurisdiction. And Captain America says, forget it, I'm not going to be Captain America again. And so the government says, okay, you, you're Captain America now. And so John Walker comes in, and he's not a good guy. So we'll see how he plays out yeah. in the in the show here. Yeah, so I think that there's definitely going to be like I again because I, like I said before, I, the Avengers don't exist right now. So that sort of um, that weird authority that that came from Shield and got passed down to Tony and and Steve when Shield disbanded, um, that all like that they were like the arbiters of like who's a superhero and who's not. I that doesn't exist right now. Like that construct doesn't exist in the MCU at the moment. The Avengers have no leadership. And I think that like, that's going to be one of the main points of this story is, uh, is, is Bucky and Sam kind of 
debating that of like, well, should it like, should we, should we do what they did again? Like we don't have the resources that they had, like all that sort of stuff. There'll be a lot of conversations about this um, in it. And I think that the, the thing that will push them back towards reinstating the Avengers will be us agent. And the fact that like, Hey, uh, there's a power vacuum. And if the Avengers don't fill it, like if, if the heirs to the Avengers legacy don't fill it, then bad people are going to fill it and and we're going to end up with anti-heroes instead of heroes and uh yeah so i think that's well, and us agent eventually here. redeems himself in the comics and he becomes he joins the the west coast avengers the, the mm. team that's on in california and i think that um they i had a prediction i don't remember what episode we talked about this um i had a prediction that after endgame was finished they would eventually try and do another round of Avengers movies, but it would be the West Coast Avengers. And it would be a team that's formed of all of these secondary characters that are kind of still around. Um, Because the comics, it's uh, the main team is Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. Like those three, uh, along with other people that kind of aren't introduced in the Marvel Universe or in the cinematic universe yet. But uh, US Agent eventually joins the West Coast Avengers. So they could... I still think I hold out hope that we can see maybe a, a new group of team, a group of uh, Avengers like that. I think, I think, I think we're going to see again, like I think we're going to see power struggles happening in, in the vacuum that the, the Avengers have left. And I think that we're going to see uh, a version of the Avengers that very well could be like the West coast Avengers. I don't know that they'll necessarily call them the West coast Avengers, but I could see them setting them up in San Francisco and being like, and basically being That's the West Coast is. Avengers. Uh, hey, what a coincidence. Yeah. Um, it's also where Jimmy Wu is, huh? What a coincidence. <laughs> uh, and then I think we will see the Fantastic Four come together. Uh, I, we will see the X-Men come together and we'll see the, the Young Avengers come together as well. And the Young Avengers will be in on the East Coast and, and uh, as well as obviously the Fantastic Four and X-Men. Um, although they could shift it, they could do. They could just start the X Men in San Francisco because they do eventually end up in San Francisco in the comics. But um, just to differentiate again, just to differentiate it from the Fox X Men to give everybody the heads up of like this is a different thing. These are different X Men. This is a different story. Don't get them confused, please. Um, but I also don't think they need to do that that much. But um, but we'll see. I so yeah, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I I. I mean, it's, it's not that far away. Usually we're used to, you know, like, Oh, a thing happened now in like three or four months, we'll get another one. Uh, and it was nice. We did, we were going at a pretty good clip there where we were getting three to four Marvel movies a year, not including uh weird Sony ones like Venom. I, <laughs> and then the Fox X-Men movies. I, uh, but those are more punishment than they are reward for. <laughs> I, but yeah, now every week, but now every, every week we get, we week, get a little mini movie, new Marvel content. So, um, we'll be back in a few weeks to do another episode of the Thunder Quack podcast. Enough said. I, anything you guys have anything you want to say before I close it out? You good? I-
I feel like I talked a lot about a lot of different things, okay. so thank you. Uh, <laughs> you can you can hear Amanda and I on a regular basis uh, over on the Thunderquack podcast. I mean, if you're a subscriber, you got this episode. But if you found this in the dedicated feed, go over and subscribe to the Thunderquack podcast. Uh, and uh, and you can hear Curtis on the Epic Marvel podcast. And maybe maybe one day we'll fulfill our promise of bringing back either the Pole Box podcast or Disney Dad's Cartoon Afternoon. But uh, time will tell on those. Uh, we'll get around. Time to it is eventually. a thing that we need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, until next time, uh, on your left. Follow the Thunderquack podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.